everyone. Welcome to HubShots episode 244. In this episode, we talk about, do you really need a marking funnel? We talk about HubSpot child themes, the ability to sync iCloud slash Apple contacts, the value of customer service, and a common domain misconfiguration in HubSpot. You're listening to Asia Pacific's number one HubSpot-focused podcast where we discuss HubSpot tips, tricks, and strategies for growing your sales, service, and marketing results. My name is Ian Jacob from Search and We Found, and with me is Craig Bailey from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig? Oh, look, I'm well, and quite a lot to get through on the show today. It's and a cracker of a show. It is, and uh, it's almost like an even split between actually HubSpot-specific stuff and general concepts and stuff. So That's right. Some thought pieces in there. If you're only here for the HubSpot tips, then you might be a little bit disappointed, but if you want to think more widely, then perhaps, yeah, you'll enjoy it. Do you know what? I'm just going to encourage listeners to broaden their horizons and be challenged by other things because you never know what you can find out or figure out. And you know, we often talk about things. It was interesting, the conversation we had today that started on a particular, I think it was almost a HubSpot topic and ended up somewhere very far, far away. By the end of it, weren't we discussing vaccinations? And, we were. Uh, it's quite fun. <laughs> I love catching up with you. Actually, this is one of the benefits of doing this podcast. Never mind the fact that we put podcasts, just general chance to catch up and chill out and chat about stuff. It's That's really right. useful. All right. So, in talking about that, the growth thought of the week, Craig, is an obvious yet ignored value of customer service. I was reminded of this when I was reading Avinash Kaushik's newsletter. Do you actually subscribe to that? I do. Yeah. I love his newsletters. Do you remember, it was from a couple of weeks ago where he was talking about how he had a really bad customer support experience with two different companies. I think one was a cable company, one might have been FedEx, I can't remember. But just really bad customer support. And I was thinking about this because... It does seem strange that these days big companies still provide terrible support. I mean, how can they survive without it? And then I was thinking about a recent situation with one of our clients. And to be clear, this is a big brand. I won't mention their name, but they're a big global brand. And they've recently cut their customer support budget. And so I'll just explain what they did. We're working with the marketing team and the marketing team are kind of shaking their heads. And by the way, shout out to them. They'll probably recognize. I know they listen to the show. (laughs) Probably know, oh yeah, we're talking about us. Totally out of their control. And they're kind of like bewildered as well. But what the company's done is they've said, right, we're going to get rid of all phone support. So before people used to call and talk to customer support, they go, no, we're cutting that. Now you've got to submit all your customer support by a form on the site. They were thinking about maybe having a chat bot, but that's not in place yet. So it's a form. You fill out a form and it's a pretty brutal thanks for your inquiry, no indications about timeframes or anything. Like it's a bad experience. It's kind of, that's the, that's the support of a decade ago, right? I thought we yeah, got Anyway, there's a big corporate doing this. And so they've cut the customer support budget. At the same time, this company who we're working with doing the marketing has increased their marketing budget. And in fact, they've just launched this initiative called the Customer Retention Project. I'm not making this up, Ian. The whole point is to better engage with customers and drive a longer lifespan with them and possibly, you know, increase customer Lifetime value. Yeah, Yeah. lifetime value. And so it's kind of like on one side, marketing is trying to do this and have been given approval with budget. And on the other, management up, you know, further up the chain has cut customer support. It's really weird. It's also counterintuitive, isn't it, Craig? Like we're trying to drive something, but what we're actually doing is driving an opposite behavior. It is weird. And you know what's funny? Now they're looking at their stats on website usage. And I'm sure it's up. And this is exactly right. 
people are confused. They're going, oh, how do I contact support? They're, you know, cruising around That's the site, right. clicking, yes. trying to find it. And they're more frustrated. And of course, if you look at that, just purely in numbers, it looks like, as you said- Average it, session has increased markedly, right. Craig. <laughs> so, it's like, oh, win-win success. What has marketing done to increase engagement? Nothing. Actually, all we've done is frustrate our visitors more. So, that's almost this side effect that if it's not properly analyzed or diagnosed, you could potentially see an effect being a positive when it's actually a negative. What are our thoughts, Craig, if we were thinking about how could we solve this? All right. Well, the first point is that, well, cost savings are short term at best and really hard to gauge in terms of sales loss down the track. So, we kind of know that. But the main point I think is in any of these situations, if you're going to put forward a position which says, look, we do need to have customer support increase, you've actually got to do it with numbers. Correct. You've actually got to be able to show metrics. And so from a marketing side or customer service department, which in this company's case, customer service is just a small kind of subset under the sales arm. So they're not really KPI'd on anything as far as I'm aware. So really, they've got to get metrics in place that show yeah. things such as using surveys to show customer satisfaction, being able to measure or correlate increases in sales or upsells in relation to that customer support, things such as churn rates, and in fact, things like refund rates. That's right. If people yes. are requesting more refunds yep. in response to a lack of customer support, because often customer support can be a place where disgruntled people yes. are heard and actually become longer-term customers. I often think if a customer reaches out to complain, I see dollar signs. We can turn, you know, this is feedback that we can use. And then the last one is just, uh, which you actually remind me of, which is a very good point, measuring the number of online reviews that customers make. Because if you see that go down, it's possibly a sign they weren't getting great customer support, so they don't leave a good review. Or even worse, they start leaving negative online reviews on these review sites. So measuring that kind of stuff correlating it with timings around customer support initiatives is the information you need to basically provide evidence that a customer support piece is valuable. Now, marketing can help with this in terms of things like surveys, of course, and because marketing is often across not only site metrics, but perhaps outer metrics, online review sites, they can help compile this information. And then further, the marketing team can also use even helping things like easing the experience. If someone has to go and fill in a form, maybe marketing can help with just some follow-up sequences, perhaps even straight away giving them indications of timeframes, not leaving someone just kind of yeah, in the dark. Yeah, that's right. Even, even leading them to a knowledge base. So if you were using Service Hub with the knowledge base, that's just another way to easily get to some information or uncover information for people. I think it's a really key aspect in trying to understand, A, who the people are. So we've been working with some customers where they might say, okay, we've got a particular type of customer that we service and we don't want them to go to the knowledge base, but we want them to go straight to live chat. So we we understand who they are first up and then we route them appropriately. And if they're this kind of customer, the knowledge base is actually a better place for them to start. So all of these things really matter to people because- I know for a fact, and I've worked with a company that sells products globally, and one thing that we discovered was that their support or follow-up was really bad. Like people were like, I can't connect my product to the app. The app's not working. And no one ever got back to them. And I'm like, after we implemented HubSpot and I got all this through, I was like, 
guys, you've actually got another problem. It's not to do with the product. It's to do with all the things that come after people get the product in their hands. And we need to address that to solve the problem because how do you get raving fans, Craig? Is they're going to think about that last experience that they had that was rather ordinary instead of being extraordinary. And I always tell people, that's kind of life, right? I always like it to the Lexus experience, you know, like you go into Lexus. So listeners in Australia, if you go into a Lexus dealership, the first thing someone says to you, apart from who would you want to see is like, would you like a cup of coffee? They give you biscuits. If they see you've got kids, they give them drinks and they give them some snacks. So everybody feels comfortable. It's like you've come to somebody's house. That is what they remember. You know, it's not about, oh yeah, go sit on that, go sit over there at the desk and someone will be, will be with you. It's a whole different experience. They've got a couple of lounges, you know, they make you feel like you've come into their home, so to speak. And you know what? It's a whole nother experience. And then so many good experiences, like we've mentioned in the show notes, Amazon, of course, great customer support, WP Engine, we've mentioned them many times on the show, and of course, HubSpot. Correct. Excellent customer support. Can you imagine if HubSpot came out, oh, look, we're going to cut phone calls and uh, you just got to submit a form and that, like HubSpot are great. You just, you actually put in your number, they call you. It's like exceptional. That's right. And you just think there are also different channels where support happens through. So if some people might not want to talk to somebody, they like the chat feature. The ability to talk to people on different channels is a massive benefit. And I would not discount that at all when we're talking about things that are happening on a day-to-day basis because people want to communicate how they want to communicate. All right. Well, there you go. Think about how you in the marketing team can help with customer support. If you're going to put forward any initiatives, make sure you back them up with evidence and metrics. And of course, always be mindful of the fact that if you reduce your customer support, you're actually opening up an opportunity for your competitors to exploit that against you because they'll provide better customer support than you. Here's a little something, uh, a good good feel story to finish on. We were doing some support surveys or NPS surveys initially with customers in a customer base. And we uncovered, somebody said they really loved the product and that supports or that NPS survey that went out triggered them to go, oh, I really want to buy another one. Now, everyone can say, oh, that's fantastic. But if they hadn't gotten that, somebody in sales would not have gotten an opportunity or whoever's managing that account would have not got the opportunity to sell a second item. So you just never know what it uncovers and the ability to further your business and to take the next step. There's something you can do. Also, onto our quick shots of the week, Craig. HubSpot has soft-launched child themes. This is great. I, I learned about this from Kevin at uh, Helpful Hero, and we've linked to him in the show notes. He's got a good post about it, but you actually learned from a, a, a separate uh, company, didn't That's you? That's right, because we've been implementing a new theme, and we were thinking, well, how are we going to manage this? Because one of the things that couldn't happen before, Craig, when we had templates, is that if you modify the template, you could get the updates, but then you'd have to basically reapply everything in. With themes, it's making it a whole lot easier to manage it and probably be able to upgrade, having the upgrade path a lot easier with things going forward. Oh, uh, look, we've been wanting this for ages. HubSpot, uh, HubSpot WordPress, WordPress has had this for years, so it it's not a new, new idea. And look, it's great to see HubSpot putting it in place. The next thing is you can add Google Meet as an option to your meetings tool. So similar to how there's the integration with Zoom. So you have those meetings, people can sign up on your website or book a meeting. Now you can say, oh, choose a Google Meet instead of a Zoom meeting. 
And the next thing that I'm so excited about, Craig, is HubSpot's built-in integration with iCloud, which is, if you have an Apple device, you know how that exciting that is. And it's got copper, pipe drive, sugar CRM, and drip. And just means that you can keep those contacts in sync across HubSpot and your Apple devices. Okay, Craig, is it still in the box? This is just an excuse for you to put a picture of a really nice sports car. But the, the analogy we're talking about, so we're promoting our new HubShot's 28-day marketing challenge. By the way, only to listeners. If you go to the website, you won't see it in navigation. We're still polishing it. And to listeners, we've got the link in the show notes. We'd like you to just register your interest. Where uh, You can't even buy it at the moment. We're just registering interest as we build out this challenge, which is a training platform, really. We want to make sure it's excellent, but um, getting feedback. But the point behind it, you're, you're like... Oh, it's like having an awesome car. HubSpot is like having an awesome car that yes. you keep in the box for many people because they never actually get a marketing campaign going. That's right. So here we go. I think this came from our conversation over coffee, Craig. It was like having that car and having it in the kit in a box. So the first thing you need to do is you need to be able to assemble the kit, right? So you've got to put all the parts together and you've got to configure and check that everything's working and tested. That's a really big thing that people often forget. You need to make sure you've got all the fluids in the car. So you've, have you got the right kind of oil, got the gas, the petrol, make sure you've got all of that stuff in. You've got your tires pumped up. That's another thing you need to do. Then tune everything to make sure it's working well and learn how to read the dials so you know what to do. So a really good analogy is because we work with mechanics, one of the things we often hear people, they go, oh, I see this engine light on my car. Oh, it's orange, so it can't be that bad. I'll keep driving. And only to discover that they've got an issue in the engine and it just takes a matter of time and the car just comes to a halt. They haven't got enough oil, engine is seized, replace engine, there goes $10,000, $20,000 straight out the door. Just because they didn't take note of that warning light that was on the dashboard. And the fifth thing is learn where all the controls are so you know how to optimize your driving experience. And you even may need training on how to drive the car because one of the things that you might discover is it has a lot of power and has a lot of systems that you don't understand how to operate. So getting the right training will also help you operate it. And there we have it. It's pretty much like using HubSpot Marketing Professional. <laughs> if, you can, if you can master this, then you can get your car on the road. And if you've got no interest in cars and we're wondering what the hell was that all about, kind of like me in a way, <laughs> not a guy, <laughs> just know that we want to help you get a marketing campaign in market in four weeks. Don't leave HubSpot in the box. Let's get it working for you. All right. Our HubSpot marketing feature of the week, Craig, and this is to do with an often overlooked root domain redirect that people forget to put in when they're creating their HubSpot sites. Yeah, that's right. So most people will know that when you build your site on HubSpot, CMS, it'll have a dub 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 at the front. So dub 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 hubshots.com because that site is on HubSpot. Now, what's if you don't put the dub 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 in? Well, if you haven't configured it, for example, at your registrar, if you haven't put it in, it'll actually give an error. And so with HubSpot now, you can set up a redirect domain. They, they, I think they made this available at the end of last year or early this year, but it's been overlooked and we've, we actually had a client this week say, oh, how do we put this in place? Very simple. It's a redirect domain. We've linked to the knowledge base. You basically put in uh, a record in your DNS, point it to HubSpot, and it takes care of the rest. It even takes care of the SSL and everything, redirecting to the dub, dub, dub. So all simple to do in HubSpot now. All right, onto HubSpot sales feature of the week and deal cards. And this is 
in Sales Hub Enterprise, and this is something that many people have been asking for on the deals where they might want to say, I want to see a different property. I might not want to see. So when we deal with lots of builders, they might not actually want the close date of the deal. They might want to have another date, which might be like a tender acceptance date, which is when some money gets transacted and they start that client journey. So this is a great upgrade. And we put some screenshots in the show notes that shows you all the different places you can do it on the cards, on the property sidebar, and even what shows up on the dashboard. So it's really key. And obviously there are a certain limit to the properties that you can see, and there are deal properties. On some, you can show three deal properties. On the others, you can only show two. But it's really clear, it's well set out, and definitely worth it if you've got enterprise features. Incremental improvement. That's right. And so just so you know, it's not that you've got to have a sales enterprise. You could have marketing enterprise and sales pro and this would still work. Oh, is that right? Correct. I didn't realize that. We better update the show notes because I said sales hub enterprise was That's required. Right. So I think if you have an enterprise hub, this will work. All right. On to our optimization of the week, Craig. Now I was thinking about this and, and how do we work efficiently? And I thought, hang on again. Here we are creating show notes. Sometimes we start creation when we are apart from each other and then we come together and we do stuff. And we even update show notes while we're having coffee, right? And I thought, wow, that's pretty interesting because I was working with a client. We were trying to put together a presentation or a webinar that they wanted to do. And they were like, do the whole script and then give it to me. And I started doing it in Google presentations and I was adding stuff and then I was as, a, as we were adding things, somebody else in their team was adding um, some pictures and more information. And I also told them, I said, hey, why don't you practice or do a loom, use loom to practice your webinar of the slides. And as you're doing it, you know, we were all sitting in the room together. I said, we'll get more ideas. I might see something that you haven't spoken about. And we were updating slides. And they turned around to me and they go, oh, wow, this is like a whole different way of working. Like, you haven't given me this whole run sheet. We're pretty much just iterating as we go along. And we've got the tools to iterate and make this better. And after that whole session, they were like, wow, this is a whole better way to do things. And it just made me realize there are things that we take for granted every day that people are just discovering. And this is one of those great tools that we have used now for our customers, for ourselves, even with ourselves just to better manage how we put information together, how we present it, and how we convey it. I think you're so right. We take it for granted. We use Google Docs and other clients use online Microsoft and that. We've got government clients where they're still just using actual files. And so we do it. A spreadsheet, and they send the spreadsheet as an attachment. I've got it updated. Oh, no, someone's made a change to that. Oh, here's my copy. Can you put... I just can't believe it. It's infuriating. For them, they're actually banned from using Google. Yeah, I think government funds do, I don't know, security risks okay. or things like that. But I wish they'd just use online Microsoft. I don't know why. It's I, I don't understand. And, and you're right. It does seem just so second nature to us to just use these collaboration tools. And yet so many corporates and businesses still aren't. It's, what do you say? It's hard to change that. But if you are listening and you do use these tools and you sometimes might not be aware that this is available, it's a great place to start. Our HubSpot gotcha of the week, Craig. Logging from Outlook or Google to HubSpot versus the conversations inbox. 
This is a common trap. We've seen this. We've each seen this with a number of our clients fall into this trap. Yeah, just explain the, the situation. So the situation here is you can connect your inbox into HubSpot to track your emails. But in the process, you might accidentally hit the connect a shared inbox and your whole inbox ends up in HubSpot under the conversations inbox. Now, sometimes you might want that, but majority of the time you don't want that, right? Because well, not, that, well, not for a personal inbox. That's yeah. right. It's normally going to be a support inbox. Or exactly. Something like, so, it? a really good one that we've seen that's connected is things like sales at your business or info at or support at your business. That is a shared inbox. So, whoever's on the team that needs to manage it or manage the throughput of that inbox, it's a great place to do it. But in this instance, we find someone's personal email, so like Craig at Zen, being in that inbox, and then everybody has access to Craig at Zen. Or the the scenario we found was somebody connected their inbox, they did realize that, and they were utilizing the conversation inbox to reply to people, but then also go to Outlook and going, oh, hang on, I thought I replied to that in the conversation inbox, but in my Outlook, it's showing still as it's uh, unread. And that's when we discovered that this was the problem. And then we decided we had to figure out a way that we need to work through this. And sometimes, it, you know, it's, it's what seems counterintuitive might be valid to the, that individual or that business and then work out what we needed to do. So look, the summary is for a personal inbox, you probably want just the Outlook connector. And if it's a generic at sales at support at inbox, then the conversations inbox Connected inbox is probably what you want. Confusing, but if you just follow those rules, probably will save you a lot of hassle. That's right. And I think HubSpot's improved it greatly too, Craig. So you get a few warnings before you connect now. All right, on to our marketing tip of the week, Craig. You may not need a funnel or a flywheel. This is perhaps counterintuitive to many listeners, and it will depend on the industry that you're in. Correct. But- We've been accustomed to this approach, which says, oh, you've got to have a funnel or a flywheel. Uh, I know the funnel's dead, but I, you know, anyway, the, the funnel would typically be, and let's say for a business, it would be, look, build valuable content on your website, promote that on social. People come, they sign up, you build an email list, and then you can promote your product. And we've done this for many years for our clients and, and also many of our own personal sites and brands. I want to say, well, remind people that you don't necessarily need to do that. And I'll give an example. So my wife's, uh, one of my wife's businesses, um, we're launching and she's got a product that costs $49. It's a low cost product. And we've done plenty of these in the past. You know, actually my wife and I have been building these businesses for more than a decade. So we still use a whole content marketing approach. Now, what we're saying is, you know what? We're just going to use Instagram ads and point straight to the Shopify sales page. And it's working. No funnel, no follow-up emails, no nurturing. We do use remarketing, of course. And we've actually got another product, another audience, which is only on Etsy, where we can't even track it. We don't even know the stats. We only correlate between traffic from Instagram and the sales that we see in, in, in Etsy sales reports, right? So there's not even a closing the loop. And there's definitely no nurturing. There's actually not even really follow-up because customer support's really low as well. So the point of saying all of this is that in these situations, you don't really need a funnel. And so this whole content strategy we used to have and the blog and all that, it's like, no, we're not doing that. We're just putting money into Instagram ads. And I want to raise this not as a suggestion for listeners in the tactic to use, because that'll depend on your situation. 
but just the thinking behind it, which is challenge perhaps what you thought was conventional or the way to go about it and think about it and test and measure. And I think this is really important for people because it actually needs to be as lean as possible. Now, there are dangers. What's if we get banned from Instagram? Okay, that channel, the entire sales channel's gone. That's fine for my wife's business. It's one of many businesses diversified. That channel goes, we'll look for something else. But we're actually getting sales straight away and we can get ROI measurements on it. So that's the point. You may not need a funnel. And I think there's many businesses and I actually think the price point at which this is valid is increasing. As we have more disposable income and businesses just want a quick purchase, I think this can go up in the hundreds, possibly even to the mid hundreds, $500. I think there's actually a price point you can get with just a simple ad pointing through. If it's the right solution to a problem people have, I don't think it needs the funnel. Anyway, I'm just putting that out there. Feel free to disagree with me and show me your numbers. That's the, I guess, the the thought I wanted to mention. You're quite right. When you were speaking about that today, Craig, I just gave you an example of something that happened to me with my wife. She was looking at a piece of jewelry. I'd never heard of these people. She's obviously consumed a lot of the Instagram or Instagram posts, I would believe. And it got to the point where she felt so much of a connection. She was like, oh, I really want this. I want this particular ring. I want these earrings. Her birthday's coming up. So thankfully, she told me what she wanted. So that made my life easier. But you know what? When I, I ordered online, I didn't know the size. I discovered they were not far from your office. So I paid them a visit this afternoon, uh, said, I'll pick it up, walked in the store. They had it there. I, I was able to take another ring so I could get it measured. I, I chose the wrong size, so they, they swapped it there, which was fantastic. But I actually told them, I said, they do a great job on their Instagram because from all of that, my wife has just spent, got me to spend hundreds of dollars on something that she wants. Now, I think that clearly lines up with what you were talking about in terms of understanding people's behavior and how they're buying things and what you can do in certain industries, fields, or demographics to get people in through the door. I think that's a good example. I'm going to, I'm going to make one closing comment because I just want people to be clear, though, that I'm not suggesting this for every business or that's right. You know, building your entire business on one channel, right? That, uh, so if you're in a big B2B business or you've got 10, 20 staff and more, you're not going to say, oh, we're just going for an Instagram strategy and that's the entire, <laughs> you know, <laughs> resting the whole business on that. That's not what I'm saying. All I'm saying is test and pick – well, actually challenge your preconceived That's assumptions right. about marketing channels, test and measure, and let's see how we go. All right, on to our Insider of the Week, Craig. Yeah, have you been following the Space Camp story? No, I can't say all I right. This is very this topical. Is and so perhaps even by the time this goes live, it will have all blown over. But Basecamp, they're a maker of a quite a popular project management tool. They also make that Hey email tool. Anyway, they um, announced some company policy changes. I won't go into them. But a lot of staff didn't like that, and perhaps even a third of staff have resigned over it, okay? Now, I haven't read widely enough or thought deeply about this enough to have an opinion on their changes, whether they're good or bad or otherwise. I'm merely just highlighting this is going on. And if you're on Twitter, you would have seen all kinds of commentary about it. Hold that on one hand so that their company policies changed, and it just actually meant that people couldn't talk about some things on company channels that they could before. That's part of it. Hold that on one hand. On the second, 
I've been reading this book, uh, Future Proof by Kevin Roos, where he's talking about how automation is essentially taking over a lot of industries and how you can future-proof yourself personally against it. Great book, by the way. It's a bit like uh, Business Made Simple. I think he talks about that in there as well. Yeah, he does. Yeah. And what value do you provide? Because exactly. if, if, if your sole value can be replaced with a robot or automation, then that's not value you're providing. Correct. That, that's disposable. Right. So anyway, on the other hand, he's saying looking at corporates, because there has been this perhaps misleading uh, approach given by corporates to say, yeah, come here. Have you ever heard this expression, do your life's work? Join X, yes. you know, Google or Microsoft, do your life's work here. And it's this aspirational incentive to come and do significant work at a company. And I'm not saying that doesn't happen, it does. But it, people aspire to do that. We all want to do that. We want to have meaning. We want to have impact in the world. So have these two concepts. Part of your impact is, you know, impact on society. So Basecamp perhaps saying, look, none of that on work channels. And then historically looking at companies that have promoted that approach and they've masked it with kind of like, and spend more time at work doing your life's work, Ian, and we'll pay for you know lunches and perks and all that kind of thing. Here's the comment from Kevin Roos, which I think is really interesting. He says, I think we'll all look back on the 2010s as the era when tech companies used perks and free food to fool their employees into thinking they were working for summer camps and humanitarian NGOs rather than ruthless multinational behemoths. I find this fascinating. So putting the two together, people aspire to make an impact and companies can abuse that to purely focus on profit. Here's the takeaway. Think about in your business, and especially as marketers, we're in the job of influence. Think about that impact that we're doing and driving, and let's build teams and companies that not only support that and let people meet those needs, but also do it fairly. Let's not abuse that drive that people have to want to do good and squeeze every profit piece out of it. All right, onto HubShot's throwback of the week. And this time a year ago, HubSpot was adding domain user permissions for account admins. And this does not seem like much, but everything grows and access becomes really important. And we've seen this in recently, even just with the ability to delete. Yeah, controlled deletion. So their, their whole user permissions model has, has grown really well. I love it. All right. On to our resource of the week, Craig. Yep. In the headlights newsletter by Christopher Penn. I love his stuff. So we've got a link to that. And our quote of the week, Craig. I, I was reminded, actually my wife reminded this. Yeah, have you read Essentialism? Yeah, I think I have. I just started By reading. Greg McCann. Yes. Yeah, she's just got a new book that's come out. But here's his comment. Well, I don't know if he made this exactly. I'm kind of paraphrasing. He's, he's kind of saying, if you don't know what the most important thing you should be working on is, then the most important thing you should be working on is working out what the most important thing is to work on. I think that's a really good point. It is a very good point. We've got a ton of bonus links. I won't go into them. And then down in the book shots of the week, I've actually included a photo of my bookshelf because one or two listeners might actually find this interesting. Most probably won't. And listeners, you can actually download a high resolution picture so you can see exactly all the books. If you want to scroll through every single time. This is just my work bookshelf, by the way, all my workbooks, which I read in physical format. I read nonfiction in physical format, whereas fiction I read on my Kindle. And listeners, for those of you who do look at the picture, there are some other interesting things on Craig's bookshelf. And I put the challenge out there to reply to him and uh, 
tell him what they are. Listeners, thank you for listening. Again, the 28-day marketing challenge is there. Please sign up and register your interest. Share with other people that you know that who are using HubSpot or even considering using HubSpot because this would be a great way for them to get started. Until next week, Craig. Catch you later, Ian. Hey there, thanks for listening to this episode of HubShots. To get the latest show notes, HubSpot tips and marketing resources, sign up at hubshots.com. You can also book time with us to help you grow better with HubSpot.